This is a hugely important time in your life where you're going to be laying down the basics for how you're going to manage money. Right. And if you begin this process well, it's going to be a benefit for you for the rest of your life. And I think that's where I felt coming out of college is I'm a little nervous. I don't know what to do with this income. Mm -hmm. Where do I go for advice? Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration, so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We are your hosts, Leo Sabo and David Thompson, and on this episode of Getting Money Right, we're going to discuss the best financial steps for a college graduate. These steps will actually be valuable for any of our listeners, but we especially want to congratulate all the graduates and give them a head start in their finances. That's right. So we want to say congratulations to all the new graduates. Whether you graduated from high school, from college, you got your master's, your PhD, uh, or maybe you just graduated from fourth grade into fifth grade. <laughs> Whatever it is, from middle school into high school. They're probably school. not listening. They're, to no, they're guess. listening. I, I I anticipate that they're they're really excited about getting, getting money start. right. Sure, I believe that too. Oh, uh, well, for the college graduates, you know, just congratulations. No more dorm life. Uh, no more five roommates crammed into a two bedroom flat. <laughs> I remember those times. <laughs> yes. No more bland college meal plans, uh, staying up all night and studying for end of year exams. Uh, what a great season of life. What a great time. Uh, I remember graduating from college and uh, just being like, okay, I, I have a job. I was actually really fortunate. I got a good job with a good company. Cool. And I didn't know what to do next. <laughs> and so, you know, this is a hugely important time in your life where you're going to be laying down the basics for how you're going to manage money. Right. And if you begin this process well, it's going to be a benefit for you for the rest of your life. And I think that's where I felt coming out of college is I'm a little nervous. I don't know what to do with this income. Mm -hmm. Where do I go for advice? How do I learn? And my parents are great. So, of course, I went to my parents, but they weren't financial experts. Right. And so, you know, there was, I remember walking uh, down the street at night with my dad, uh, just kind of going on a walk around the block and uh, after college and saying, hey, you know, I have this income. Should I buy a house? Mm -hmm. Should I rent? And we went back and forth on the math. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't know what to do. And I, But I remember him trying to impart everything that he had on whether I should buy a house or whether I should rent. And what we're going to talk about today is that there are several different things that mm -hmm. a college graduate should be thinking about, not just where you're going to live next, but there are some fundamental things that you can set in place right now. Right. And we're going to talk a little bit about housing. We're going to talk a little bit about investing. We're going to talk a little bit about you know bank accounts. But um, we've come up with seven things that we believe college graduates should be thinking about. So Leo, do you want to talk about those seven things and then we'll dig into each one? Sure. Let's just go over them very quickly. So number one, create your own bank accounts. Two, create your stability fund. This is something we spoke about recently, but we'll dive into it a little deeper. Number three, crush your student loans. Big, big one. And then four, calibrate your credit. Five, clear out your toxic debt. Six, consider your future home. And seven, choose your investment strategy. I love that. And they all start with C, Leo. That's great alliteration. <laughs> That's just <laughs> we're, that, we're just that good. We're just that good. And, and I do want to say that if you're listening to this and you're not a recent graduate, this is great information for you to pass on to a college graduate. Oh, absolutely. Uh, this I is, wish somebody would have sat down with me and talked over these when I graduated right. uh, college because it really would have set me up for a totally different path than I took, which, you know, six years of deviating off into la-la land and having a lot of fun, but also creating a lot of messes. So I'm excited about going over these, not just for our college graduates, which 
obviously this is very important for them because it may be fairly new to them. But even for someone that hasn't really looked at their finances and said, how do I do better? How yeah. do I set this thing up to work for the long haul? So we hope this will benefit everybody. Yeah. And and just know that recent graduates are probably craving this information because mm -hmm. I was, Leo just said that he was, this is something that I really wanted to know when I graduated from college. And I remember looking at my, and we'll get to it in step seven, but I remember looking at my investment options at my company mm -hmm. and I didn't understand any of it. Right. And so if somebody could have pointed me to something like getting money right and said, hey, just listen to this episode. It'll start you on your journey. So share this as a resource. Yes. Uh, make sure that when you're talking to a college graduate, say, hey, have you checked out this episode? Because it will walk you through the seven basic steps. Absolutely. So step number one. Step number one, create your own bank accounts. This is one of the first thing you should do after graduating is to really make your own checking and savings account. You know, you, you don't need to keep your co-accounts, which you probably opened with your parents. It's time to get out on your own. It's time to find those bank accounts that are going to set you up for uh, a good foundation because bank accounts lay a foundation for your money management system. So you need to give yourself lots of benefits through this and you need to find a bank or credit union that offers some of these options. One of the benefits should be no monthly fees. Today, there's no reason that you should be paying fees to have an account. The idea of paying fees is kind of foolish to me because you're giving your money to the bank and then they take that money and reinvest it and make a ton of interest off of it. So there's no reason to pay fees. So definitely find an account. That the does bank is already fees. making money oh, just huge. on the fact that you huge. have your money with them. Right. Because as soon as you give them your money, they go and loan it back out. Yes. And I don't remember what the ratio is, but they can loan it out. And 90% then, more than yeah, what they have in the bank. 90%. They only have to keep 10%. Right. So so don't feel bad choosing a bank that has no bank fees. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Uh, another one is interest earning checking and savings accounts. There are accounts that will earn you a little bit of interest. And anytime you can earn some interest, you should definitely go for it. Now, some of these accounts may have a minimum balance, so you may have to keep $1,000, $2,000, but that's fine. You want to have that cushion anyway in those accounts, and you want to be saving regularly. So you're going to be doing that anyway, right? So find those interest-bearing accounts so that you can earn a little bit from these accounts. Yeah, if you walk into the bank, say you want an account that has no monthly fees, that has a good interest rate on the savings account, and has great mobile apps. So this is something that you may need to do a little research. Just right. jump onto Google and figure out who's got the best mobile applications. Uh, you know, when I graduated from college, mobile apps weren't even a thing. <laughs> no. I, I remember even when apps were beginning and it was almost like a joke where you would uh, go and sit down with a friend and, and, and say, oh, I wonder if there's an app for that. I wonder if there's an app for that. Yep. And yep. and there always would be when they were starting to be being built. It's amazing what's out there now. I do almost all of my banking through right. the apps on my phone. I it, think I do all of my yeah, banking yeah. online or <laughs> yeah. through the app. I, I even have an app now with one of my banks where you can take a picture of the check that you get. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to go to the bank and drop the check off. You take a picture of the front and the back and yeah. you center it just right. And they deposit your account with the money that's in the check. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yep. It is unbelievable how cool it is. So I, I mean, I couldn't go to a bank now that doesn't have a great mobile banking system, Absolutely. whether it's online or just through an app. And both the app and the website should have easy transfer options. They should have free bill pay and, of course, mobile deposits because things are changing. And the reason it's changing is because most people will not go to the bank. They'll go to the ATM. They'll do either their transactions through the ATM, but most of it is done through an app because you could do really everything that you need to do 
connected to the bank through the app. The only downside, I think, sometimes the mobile deposits, if you have a large amount, oh, sure. there's a minimum on that. But depending on your account, the type of account, they will increase that. And then you know you can have, I know with Chase, you can have up to $5,000 per day that you can deposit. So unless you have checks that are constantly coming in that are 5000 you should be fine. Yeah, no, that sounds like me, Leo. Just so yep. many, yep. so many $5,000 checks I, I can't I keep track to, of them. Yeah, I have to schedule them out. But yeah, hey, you know, okay. well, I, every now and then I lose one because, you know, what's <laughs> five grand here and there? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, right. I wish. Um, okay. So I'm, I just remember coming out of college and I had, there was this really small local bank down the street from my house where my parents had banked and it got bought up uh, by another small local bank. And about that time, um, I don't know how old I was, maybe 17, 18 years old. My parents took me down to the local bank mm -hmm. and we opened up accounts. And yep. so I had co-accounts with my parents. And I had, uh, I had, I think I had one account that was my own, but I had an account that, you know, was, was co had their name on it, had my on it. That bank ended up getting bought up by a huge bank. And then that got bank got bought by a huge national bank. <laughs> and now when you look at he, the huge players, there's not as many as there used to be. No. But what you can do is look at local credit unions as well. Right. You want to find one that's nearby, one that um, you can easily access and that has a good app, that has good interest on the checking and savings. Now, we know you're not going to find good interest on the checking account. The checking account is not necessarily for interest bearing, but... There are some. There are some. There are Especially some. credit unions. My credit union, I have used a credit union account for many, many years, and mine has a 2.25% interest on, on your checking account. checking account? Mm-hmm. I'm moving tomorrow. There you go. <laughs> I need to make the switch. <laughs> now, That's on me. There's one thing about credit unions. Not not everyone can qualify to be a credit union member. Uh, I was with American Airlines, so it's an American Airlines credit union. There are other credit unions that you can qualify for that are not specifically uh, connected to like an uh, American Airlines type of thing. But they're a good option because the costs are lower. Their fees are lower. Um, they, they do things a little bit different, and I, that's why I've stayed with them. I really like the way they work. However, you realize that a national chain like a Chase or a Wells Fargo, they're just going to have better options, probably better apps, um, more locations if you do need to go in person. But for me, that's not a big deal. So. Yeah. I'm going to go down to American Airlines Credit Union, and I'm just going to tell them, well, I'm friends with Leo Sabo. That's right. Well, that, that'll do it. <laughs> we we, we co-host a podcast <laughs> called Getting Money Right, and I'm pretty sure they'll let me open an account. It'll, it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. um, if you're looking for a great savings account, uh, Leo and I always recommend that you would take your savings account, and if you can, put it at another bank that you don't usually see mm -hmm. uh, as often. You don't look at it as often, so you're not constantly tempted to draw from that money. Right. So Ashley and I have been using Ally Bank. Before mm -hmm. that, we used another online bank. Well, I guess we just used a separate bank that was it was online. But Ally has great savings rates. I'm not necessarily endorsing that you got to go with them. There's several There's now that have yeah that are competing for highest interest rates on um, savings accounts. So don't hesitate to go to Google, look up highest savings rates for interest accounts, see what's out there. I just put it in right now. There's CIT Bank, VO Bank. Web Bank, Comenity, Direct Bank, and all of these banks are giving 2.3 or above on their savings rates. And that's great. Yeah. I mean, for every... Compared to where we were 10 years ago. Yes. Wonderful. So anyway, Ashley and I currently are with Ally, and we're not planning on switching for an extra 0 0.02 or, yeah. you know, whatever. But, uh, but just make sure that the bank is FDIC insured. Right. 
And as long as it is FDIC insured, then it is going to be a safe place to keep your money because if the bank goes under, if any issue happens, the, the government has basically promised and insured that they will make sure you get your money back up to a certain amount. And off the top of the head, off the top of my head, Leo, what? It's 250,000. Okay. That's what I was thinking. So, um, you know, unless you have more than 250,000 and then that's when you start, if you had that in a general savings or checking account, a, in general, you'd have to be a multi multi-millionaire before you started <laughs> doing something like that. Right. Um, because most of your investments, when you get to that large sum of money should be in investment accounts, right. it shouldn't be in your local checking account. But if you did happen to have, you know, 250, then open up another bank account at another bank and begin saving there because then it'll be insured FDIC in multiple locations. So yeah. if I yeah. had a million dollars, I just wanted to keep in savings. Can, I would open up four different bank accounts from four different banks. Or you can keep them at the same bank, but you would have to do separate accounts. Yeah. You know, cause each I, account is up to 250, I believe. So I'm looking at the standard deposit insurance is 250 per depositor per FDIC insured bank. Ah, okay. So, well, I so corrected. yeah. <laughs> so then we'll go and, and I mean, and this, we're just throwing out numbers here, but if I had a million dollars and I were not investing it at the moment, I had mm -hmm. some reason where I might need access to it shortly, then I would put one, I'd put 250 at Ally, I'd put 250 at, you know, CID, 250 at Chase, 250 at Wells Fargo, whatever. I mean, yeah. it, you but choose a bank. We're really not what we're talking about yeah. is if you're going to have that kind of money in a bank account, hopefully it's in a mutual fund or it's invested somehow yes. uh, into an investment, not in just a savings account. Yeah. Because you're going to, you know, at that, especially at that amount of money, you don't want to earn two and a half, three percent. Right. You want to earn a little bit more than that. So exactly. definitely move that money to an investment account or something that's, again, not just a basic savings account. Yep. Yeah. And I love that, uh, that it is up to 2% now at most banks now, if you're doing your savings account, um, because that is keeping up with inflation. Yeah. And it used to be where it was like 0.05% on savings just mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. And I remember you're basically losing money by keeping it in the bank. Right. Uh, but at the same time, having your emergency fund, that was still yeah. the right thing it's to gotta do. It's got to be liquid so you can right. access it. It was sure. insurance for you more sure. than it was you know, an investment. So anyway, all that said, if you've recently graduated from college, open up your own bank accounts, choose your bank, look for this list. Just go in and say, I'm looking for no monthly fees a good interest rate on my savings account. And I would say a good interest rate on a savings account is 2% or above. Mm -hmm. uh, great mobile apps, something that you're comfortable with. Easy transfer options. Ashley and I transfer money internally at the bank all the time from right. one account to another. Right. Uh, free bill pay, mobile deposits. That's what you're looking for. Right. So the second thing that a college graduate should be thinking about is creating a stability fund. We recently did a episode called Four Financial Steps to Purpose for Living, where we dive into this topic of creating a stability fund. Some call this an emergency fund, but we call it a stability fund because we realize that by having this account, it'll help you in managing your budget. And that's something that obviously you should have and you should be living from. So if you have a stability fund, this is going to be that overflow that's going to allow you to take care of situations that come up that are either beyond your budget, whatever you've set aside for that month, or an emergency that might come up like a car repair, maybe even a, a medical procedure that needs to, to happen. So this is what we 
recommend for you to have. And uh, it's really about saving before you're spending. This is something that we always recommend that you save before you spend so you can experience stability not only today, but also in the future. That's right. Leo really taught me this concept of having shock absorbers on your financial life, that when you're driving your car, you've got those shock absorbers so that when you hit bumps, you don't feel it as heavy when you're driving. Well, when you've got the stability fund, mm -hmm. if you hit a little financial emergency, you don't feel it as much. Right. Uh, it's still going to pinch a little bit. You're going to notice that it happened. But if you've got the stability fund, you can easily spend a thousand dollars at the doctor to make sure the bill is covered. Right. Uh, you can easily go down and get your tires replaced if there's a problem and one of your tires blows out. Uh, having that there is so helpful. Now, long term over time, you're going to have little emergency funds or little funds that are medium term funds to replace your tires and funds that are sure. going to be set up for when you go to the doctor. So of course, you want to go back and listen to the budgeting episodes and dig into everything you should be setting aside a little bit for every month. But the great thing is there are things that you're not going to have in your mind that before they happen for the first time. And when you have the stability fund, it allows you to be okay. Right. You lose your job for a month or two, or they cut your salary for some reason, or you're in sales and you don't get as big a commission. Mm -hmm. You ride it out and you're stable. Yeah, because this fund, you start out with one month's living expenses uh, as a start, uh, but then eventually you want to build that up to a three to six month stability fund so that you can, like you said, if there's a job a gap or uh, some emergency medical leave, something like that, you can continue to operate as you have in the past, get through the season, and then go right back into what you were doing before once the income is replaced or you go back to work. So that's the idea about having the stability fund. The idea there is that you stay on budget. You don't begin to spend money that should be set aside for other things. You're just staying on track and your plan continues to operate the way you intended. That's right. Think of the stability fund as an investment in yourself. Mm -hmm. This is to keep you calm and cool in the heat of a potential crisis. Uh, in the moment of potentially losing your job, you can stand there and say, okay, no problem. I'm going to uh, leave this place of employment with dignity and I'm going to move into the next place because I'm not worried about it. You right. can be emotionally calm because you have the stability fund in place. So Leo, what's the third thing that a college graduate should be thinking about? Number three is crush your student loans. This is a big one. We've seen that trend of more and more student loans becoming a real problem. And we're actually going to spend more time on this by going into a more detailed future episode. For now, we want to touch on a couple of things that you should do right away. Yeah, when I'm thinking about crushing your student loans, I'm thinking about the recent thing that came out in the news. Uh, this year, 2019, the Morehouse College graduating class got this massive graduation gift from their mm. commencement speaker. You've probably heard about it. Oh, yeah. Robert Smith said that he is going to pay off all of their student loans for the entire graduating class of 2019 at Morehouse. Pretty amazing. Um, his, his family is creating a grant. And I don't remember the exact number, but it's somewhere to the tune of like $40 million. It's a lot. <laughs> which a is lot. incredible. That's just one graduating class from one college, $40 million. Yeah. So think about all the universities around the country, how much the student loan crisis is growing. Right. Um, but if you don't have the benefit of, you know, somebody coming that's an alumni, that's a billionaire coming to your college and forgiving all of your personal student loans. Not likely to happen again. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, uh, you do 
have the opportunity to stretch yourself, to grow, and mm-hmm. to begin to attack these loans yep. and say, okay, I'm going to buckle down. I-, I borrowed this money willingly and it benefited me so I could go out and get my education. I'm going to now thank the person who lent the money to me and pay them back. And whether that's the bank or the government or a family member. So it's crucial that you understand how to pay off your student loans quickly and for the least amount possible. Right. Of course, the best way to say goodbye to your student loans is to have them forgiven. And so in another episode, we're actually going to dig into student loans and the forgiveness programs that are out there. But odds are you're probably not going to land in that category. And it's time for you to just roll up your sleeves and knock these things out. So here's two ways that you can pay off your student loans and hope it go a little bit quicker. So first is to make accelerated loan payments. Right. So if you get paid every two weeks, which a lot of companies do, you know, it's by, by, yeah, by monthly or every two uh, weeks. Yeah. Every two weeks. So it's a great strategy to go ahead and just make your payments every time you get a check. Mm-hmm. And so if you are getting paid bi-weekly every other week, then you actually get paid 26 times in a year. Mm-hmm. As opposed to someone who gets paid bi-monthly twice a month because they only get paid. There's 12 months in a year. They get paid twice a month. They only get paid 24 Four times, times in a year. Right. If you're getting paid 26 times in a year and you make that extra payment, you've essentially made two extra payments towards your student loans, right. which will dramatically reduce the length of time that it takes to pay them off. And it's going to reduce the amount of interest that you pay over time. So if you're getting paid bi-weekly, Go ahead and cut a check every two weeks. Don't just send it once a month. Send it every two weeks whenever you get paid. It's a way that you can pay off debt. I think it's a great way to uh, create that extra income that you can set aside for something you want to pay off. And student loans is one of those things that as a recent graduate, you really want to focus on. Uh, Another one is to pay more than the minimum. This is really big because if you're just paying the minimum payment, there's a good chance the way the loan is structured is that you're going to have a a much, much longer than 10 or 15 year target. You're, you may be looking at 20, 25 years. And what what's really sad of what I've seen, David, and I know you've run across this too, is we've counseled people that are in their 50s and 60s that oh, still yeah. have student loan yeah. debt. From their and, college days yeah, of Yeah, it's 20, incredible to me. Yeah, and it's not from their kids. Right. It's from their own student loan debt. And the only reason that happened is because they either deferred payments or they paid the minimum payment yeah. and then stopped for a while and then started up again. So... It's just sad to me to see so many people doing that. Now, when I graduated college, I did have a student loan. It was at that time, early 90s. It was 1990, actually, when I graduated. And I had a student loan that was, I think, 5600 or 5200 I can't remember for sure. But it was a little over $5,000. And I remember looking at it and thinking, okay, when I get to make this payment, I want to make it as low as possible because you know, I don't have a job yet and all of that. So I didn't do the right thing. I didn't contact the bank or whatever it was. Having lack of financial education, I thought they were just going to automatically do that. Well, they didn't. Um, it, it just automatically came and it was the payment was like $128 a month or something like that, which was a lot for me back then. Oh, absolutely. And I remember, oh gosh, I need to go back and fix it and change it. And then I looked into doing that and I thought, well, then I would have to refinance and go to a different bank. And, and I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I'm just going to pay it off. And I paid it off in four years. Wow. And I was, I'm so glad that I did not stretch it because I could have easily stretched it for you know $50 a month for the next yep. 10 years, yep. but yet I paid it off in four. And I'm telling you, that was such a great feeling knowing student loans done, my education's paid for. Um, so if you do have a student loan, one of the best ways to do that is to increase that minimum payment. 
Don't just pay the 50. Don't go for, uh, you know, sometimes you see these programs where they set the payment based on income level. Yeah. And that's yeah. okay. We're going to talk about this in a future episode. That's okay if you're looking for forgiveness, you know, if you're in that forgiveness uh, yeah, loan program. Yeah, if you're going Because right. then you don't want to pay as much because the rest of it's going to be forgiven. So that right. makes sense. But if you don't qualify for that, then, man, put as much money on that sucker as you can and pay it off as soon as you can. Yeah. And in general, you know, Leo and I are always going to lean towards telling you to just buck up and pay it off as mm -hmm. fast as you can. Uh, even when we look at these loan forgiveness programs, we're going to go in depth because you might qualify. And we want you, if, if, a, if a government entity has decided that you are valuable enough to hire and pay and then also forgive your loans, yeah. we want you to enjoy that benefit. Sure. So we're not opposed to the loan forgiveness programs and we're going to do a whole episode on it. But most people just need to say, hey, I borrowed this money and I'm going to honor the commitment that I made and right. I'm going to pay it back and I'm going to do it as fast as possible so it doesn't hold my family back right. for a decade, for two decades, you know, for three decades. I'm going to knock this thing out quick. I'm going to get aggressive with it. And so, you know, when I graduated from college, I had 15000 in student loans. I had a little bit of medical debt. I had a little bit of car debt. Mm -hmm. And I chose to dramatically change my lifestyle by living at home with my family yeah. so I could pay that debt off. Right. And it made a huge difference so that when Ashley and I got married, I moved out from my parents' house and we had no debt. Yeah, that's huge. And it was amazing. It makes a big difference. We had no payments to no one. Mm -hmm. It was it was great. Not even car payments, not even credit cards, not you know, it was just we're completely financially free and Man, ready to start our that. life. Right. <laughs> that right. was not the case for me. <laughs> But just think of it this way. If you're getting married and you have student loan and then your future spouse has student loan, you could be having enough student loan combined, the value of a average price home today, dollars know, yeah. $150,000, $200,000, $250,000, depending yeah. on the kind of loan that you took out. So if you're paying more, let's say you owe $50,000 at a 5% interest rate for 10 years. You know, If you pay a minimum payment, uh, it would be about $530, right? But it will cost you about $14,000 in interest. So 10 years... It will actually cost you sixty-four thousand dollars in yeah. total, right? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, fourteen thousand in yeah. interest. That's 14, almost a 000. third of what you borrowed in the exactly. first place. Exactly. I mean that—that's a lot. It's just crazy because it's uh, you can buy years. a car with that, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's so. Anyway, keep going. I'm, yeah. I'm just thinking so, about that. But if you pay just an additional hundred dollars each month, you'll save three thousand in interest, and you'll pay off the loan two years earlier. That's awesome. So, and that's just a hundred dollars, right? You can scrounge around and get $100. You can spend somewhere a little bit less so you can make that happen. But what if you did 200 250 more? Right. What if right. you spent $1,000? What if you did what David did, which is you know stay with your parents an extra two years and put all of your income toward that student loan, pay it off, get rid of it? Then you'll be able to have a strong foundation to start your life. That's right. There's so That's many right. things that... Unfortunately, people are putting off because of student loans, and we're actually going to talk about the, the episode we're doing on student loans, of the consequences of student loans to young people coming into adult life and marriage, having children, job choice. So many things are being impacted in a negative way because the student loans are so high. So what we're recommending is that not only do you make that minimum payment, but then you add additional to it, and also that you really accelerate the loan payments any way that you can you can yeah. do it yeah Just pick up it. an extra job you know be a barista in the evenings and sell a little bit of coffee maybe do a side gig because as you accelerate those payments it disappears way faster you go from 14,000 in interest to maybe only paying four or five thousand in yeah. interest you can save yourself 10 grand 
which is amazing. Yeah. So uh, one thing that's really important is that when you send more than the minimum payment or you make bi-weekly payments, make sure that you, if you're doing it online, it's usually pretty easy, but if you're mailing it in, you want to put a note that says that for sure that money is going towards the principal right. of the balance. Because a lot of times when you make an extra payment or you add to the payment, the company, the lender, is just going to think that you're prepaying next month's bill. Mm -hmm. And so it won't actually affect your interest and your timeline very much because they're just saying, oh, you just prepaid. You mm -hmm. just prepaid. You know, We're not actually going to reduce your interest because you're just prepaying the next month's interest. Right. And so you want to make sure that it goes to the principal. And sometimes there's a, there's a box that you check if you're filling it out online. Uh, there's a note that you can attach to a, pay, a check that you're mailing to the company. So just make sure that it's going towards the principal balance because as the principal goes down, the overall amount you owe that is when the interest goes down over time. And then you're paying less interest, which means you're accelerating even more paying off that debt. So the idea here is that when you make that extra payment, whether it's part of the same check or an additional check, is that you want that to be credited to your account on the day you send it, the day they receive it and actually make the deposit. So you don't want them to wait two, three weeks to, or not put it in there and say, oh, we'll just give you credit for next month. And then you'll get a bill that says, hey, you don't have to pay for the next month or two. You don't want that. You want that principal to be knocked down more and more because then your interest that you're paying on that loan will begin to diminish as that balance goes down. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so we're going through the seven tips for college grads to manage money like a grown-up, to really knock it out like a champion. And so we've started with create your own bank accounts. We stepped into creating a stability fund, which if you want to go more into the overall four steps for purposeful living, go back and listen to episodes 72 and 73. Then we talked about crushing your student loans. We're going to do a whole episode on loan forgiveness, probably episode 77 or 78. It'll be coming up soon. Next time, we're going to talk about calibrating your credit, clearing out toxic debt, and then considering your future home and starting to choose your investments wisely. So all of these seven steps are really going to allow you to have a bright financial future. And so I just, we wanted to say thank you for listening through on this episode. Um, if you're enjoying the podcast, please go and rate it and review it and subscribe to it. As you add more ratings on, the five-star ratings have been a huge blessing. I think we've now got just about over 100 five-star reviews. Uh, we're aiming for 150 in the next couple months. So if you go on and give it a five-star, if you're on iTunes, if you're on Stitcher, or you're listening off the web, or you're listening off of CastBox or Spotify, wherever you listen, uh, usually there's a place where you can like the episode or heart the episode or add a comment just saying that you're enjoying the podcast. That means so much to us. If you would be willing to jump onto social media, follow Leo and I on social media, you can see that Leo puts out each episode every week and then you could share that with a friend. And it would mean so much if you go to the little, uh, there's those three dots on your phone, click it, uh, share the episode, just send it in a text to somebody and say, hey, uh, I thought this might benefit you. That would be a huge blessing. Especially to us. recent graduates. Especially they recent graduates. That. That's right. I was at a, a breakfast uh, for business leaders in the area just yesterday, and I ran into a local attorney that is um, just an incredible guy. And I was talking to him, and he said, oh, I've been really enjoying the podcast. And, I, and out of nowhere, I mean, I haven't seen this guy in four or five years yeah. and he's an incredible business leader in his area of law. 
And and he just comes up and says, hey, but I've really enjoyed the podcast. And then him saying that to the person next, like we were in a, a group conversation. Right. The person next to him was like, oh, I didn't know you had a podcast. You know, let me see it. And so then we got to share it with somebody else. So just even a little comment, it meant the world to me. Sure. The fact that somebody I knew from four or five years ago, but hadn't really connected with in a long time, was listening to the podcast and then in that moment shared it with someone else. Yeah, that's huge. It, it made me feel like a million bucks. Because it's a personal <laughs> it's a personal reference. It's not just something you see. You know, it's some, someone that you value and you care about what they say tells you, hey, I listened to this thing. It's helped me check it out. Yeah. It means a lot. It so means a lot. if you are enjoying it, be that person, share it with someone else so that they can also benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then along with that, uh, go to stewardshippastors.com and click on the Jesus on Money book. It's coming out soon. So you can pre order, and I put it to where you can pre order for $15 a copy. But then if you get two copies, it's $28. Mm-hmm. So then it's only 14 bucks a copy. And if you get five copies, it goes again down in the amount that you're paying per copy. So I've scaled it. So the more you buy, the cheaper it is. And with that, prepay, order five books. Um, use those to bless someone you know. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend you check that out. Jesus on Money, it's coming out soon. You're going to love getting to see the book covers too. Those are looking really nice. And then jump onto leosabo.com. And go through the Budget Like a Ninja course. It's free. It's one of the first things that you'll see on his website. Uh, Check out all the cool resources that he's built because this is what allows you to actually manage your personal finances. There's a great way to track your expenses, to create your budget, actually listing out based on there are guideline percentages. Oh, how much should I be spending on housing? How much should I be spending? Uh, How much should I be saving? How much should I be putting towards uh, retirement? Go in there, fill those forms out. Do that with your spouse. If you're married, if you're single, or if you're dating someone, do it as like a date night and say, hey, let's see what it would look like to combine our finances one day when we're married. Ashley and I did that while we were dating. Mm -hmm. And we said, okay, let's look at Ashley's income. Let's look at my income. What would it look like for us to live on this? What's a realistic lifestyle? And from there, we were able to decide, okay, we can live in this city, in this kind of apartment for the first two years if we save. Then we'll have a down payment and we can buy this kind of house in this city. So it just allows you to cast vision for your life together. Honestly, it's such a great tool for a relationship because it allows you to kind of project out and dream together and think of the future and think of the thoughts and desires that are in your heart and say, we want to uh, get money right so that we can pursue our true life's purpose. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's really cool. Uh, I'll actually probably have some cool updates personally on something in the next couple uh, weeks or months. So I'll kind of leave that out there. But just cool things are happening. So Leo, anything that you want to add in on that? Just to say thank you for listening and thank you for sharing this podcast with other people. We're grateful that you're listening. We are just ecstatic that it's benefiting you. That's really why we do it and it makes it a worthwhile. So thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and thank you for sharing it. That's right. Awesome. Well, we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we We can can keep keep getting getting money money right. So we're recommending is that not only do you make that minimum payment, but then you add additional to it and also that you really accelerate the loan payments any way that you can you can do it. 